Philippians chapter 3 one last time. Um, we're going to be wrapping up the last two verses. I didn't feel like I totally covered those. I, I, uh, and uh, some of our elders felt like I should go back and, and just finish uh, that up. Um, and, and cover that uh, real quick. And so we're going to do that today, and then we'll be um, the following uh, Sunday. We'll, uh, Lord willing, we'll be um, at the end of chapter 4, or towards the end of chapter 4, or middle, I should say, maybe, because uh, Pastor Matt Baldwin uh, took care of the uh, first few verses there and so um, through his, his sermon a while ago. So we'll be, uh, we'll be in there. So Philippians chapter 3, we've been talking about this for some time. I, I, I'll admit that I kind of got stuck here. Um, I hope that you got stuck here because I think it's just absolutely critical to our faith. And what's so critical to our faith is that we regularly uh, have people that come to our church that often say, um, I thought I knew the gospel before, but now I'm starting to actually understand the gospel. Like they had gotten saved, uh, uh, perhaps, in another church, um, but somehow in their faith walk, they... Uh, really thought that it was all on them and that they needed to make themselves look like a better person and, and they needed to do all these things. And it just creates an, an immense amount of stress. And so the Apostle Paul has been tearing down this idea over and over again that, uh, that we can work to get our own salvation, that we can be people that uh, are good enough that God will, will take us. Uh, when in reality, what the issue is, what we need is that we need the righteousness from God um, that comes by faith, not through what we do. And so the Apostle Paul has gone through great pains to say that, and he wants us to understand it. So as he's been going along here through, uh, through chapter 3, uh, we covered this last week. Um, it says this in verse 18. I need to look at it right here. It says... Um, uh, in verse 18 of chapter 3, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So Paul's kind of ending remark there, and by the way, the chapter uh, markers were put in after the fact, and so we really believe that, that the, the therefore there really needs to belong with what's in uh, chapter 3. And so he says, therefore, I want you to stand firm in what I've told you. I want, I want you to stand firm in this fact. And so what is he saying to stand firm in? Well, he, as I just read to you, he says there's lots of people who walk as enemies of the cross. And we talked about that last week, that we can obviously point out in our society uh, the enemies of the cross in many ways. And that can be helpful and it can be unhelpful in some ways. There's some obvious examples of that. People who are really against Christianity and things of that nature. There's uh, some other examples I might even tell you about later today. But uh, there's these obvious examples of enemies of the cross. But then we also just kind of drilled down into that and said, we also act like enemies of the cross 
When we allow our belly, our appetites, to be our God, when we allow our appetites to be our God, then what takes place is that we begin to break down. And our hope and our, and, and our salvation is very much tied up in the things that we get, the, the, the things that we want, the distractions in life that are all around us. How we feel about, uh, about how people feel about us. I was thinking before I came up this morning that Facebook has figured out how to capitalize on and make money off of the God of approval by simply putting a like button on there. And just the addictive nature of desiring to have people like your post, desiring to have people's approval. It's no wonder that so many Christians, so many uh, Christians in the church at large, people in ministry even, have worked their entire life uh, so far uh, to get likes, to get approval, and it just affirms it, and it affirms it, and it affirms it, and it trains us for ungodliness rather than training us for godliness. It trains us to be ungodly people who are looking for the approval of man over and over again. And so therefore, what happens is our God is our belly. We're people that are involved in this. We're the ones who are uh, uh, glorying in our shame and our minds are set on earthly things. And so why aren't we standing firm when, when we are not standing firm? I mean, we could just talk about the church for a minute. I, 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 I probably beat up on the church too much. But I'll just say this, that the church today, and I, and I include myself in this, in so many ways is just not doing well. There are great churches like I, what, what I believe it, that are being planted, like Rick's church and, and, and things like that. But the church at large is not doing well. Consumerism is rampant. It's the idea that the church is a deliverer of goods and services, and if they fulfill those goods and services, then I will continue to be a part there. If I like what they have to say, then I will give to that thing. If I have time or if I, if I happen to have nothing going on this particular weekend, then, then I'll attend. What that says about us is it says our God is our belly, our God is our appetites, our God is the, are the things uh, that we desire, our minds are set on earthly things. And so here we are as Christians in a world, we're intended for something completely different and yet we continue to participate with this society, with, what, with this world, with what this world is doing. And it's a continual issue. And so Paul says, I want you to stand firm. So what's he want us to stand firm in? He says in verse 20, he says, uh, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. What does that mean to us? It's something that we could gloss over. It's something that we could read very briefly and we say, yeah, yeah, no, I, I belong to that. But when you think about the scriptures as a whole, we went through this in the Kingdom of God series that we had uh, some time ago. When you look at the scriptures as a whole and you see what's going on there, you have two different kingdoms and it happens at the very beginning where you have Adam and Eve in the garden and Adam and Eve in the garden are here and they, are, they have relationship with God and they're walking with him and then the serpent uh, who is Satan comes to Eve and says, God is not, God's trying to keep something from you. God is trying to keep you from the thing that you desire most, and so you should go after that. And when Eve and Adam took part in that, what took place? 
was the beginning of two kingdoms instead of one kingdom. God's kingdom uh, is first, and then here we have another kingdom that has been established on this earth, this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of darkness that is pervasive in our society, this kingdom of darkness that is overwhelming who we are. Just this week, uh, what has really come to light yet again is the idea of suicide in our society. You had Kate Spade, who makes some fabulous handbags, apparently. And then also, you had Anthony Bourdain, who is a renowned TV star, who's a chef, an author, all these things. People who had massive, massive success, who had absolutely incredible success in their world, and yet they took their own life. And before them, it was Robin Williams. And before him, it was somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. But that is just symptomatic, these celebrities ending their lives, with what's happening in our world. Because uh, immediately as these two uh, stories came out this week, what also came out is that the suicide rate has increased by 30% in the United States since 1999. By 30%. And so what, what we see happening is that we see this, this level of darkness, depression, anxiety, those kinds of things that, that are just becoming more and more pervasive. Just read the title of an article uh, just this morning, which said, Teen Girls, uh, Suicide Rate is at a 40-Year High. What? This, this, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And so you read the articles, and you see what our society says about it. And we say it's a mental health crisis, and I believe that is true. It is a mental health crisis. In fact, there are numerous uh, uh, solutions uh, that these different people have. Uh, it's, the CDC has uh, policy advice for ways to help, according to NBC. States can help ease unemployment. Um, and housing stress by providing temporary help. Healthcare systems can offer treatment options by phone or online where services are not widely available. Communities can offer programs and events uh, to increase a sense of belonging among residents. Schools can teach students skills to manage challenges like uh, relationship and school problems. That sounds like a church to me. That's what that sounds like. Oh, Oh, you've got some ideas on how to make society better? Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. 42% of people who ended their life uh, had a relationship problem. 28% had substance abuse issues. 16% had job or financial problems. 29% had some kind of crisis. 22% had a physical health issue. 9% had criminal legal problems. Our, our, our world has multiple issues, and they have limited solutions. And the limited solutions are ultimately, it's, it's more pills. Now, don't get me wrong. The medications do help. Some of you should be on medication. Your, your doctor's prescribed. You should be very careful about leaving that. This, this sermon is not about you being a sinful person because you're on medication. I just don't want to be misunderstood on any level uh, over that. If you're, if, you're, if you're in a mental health crisis, we love you. We care about you. We are the church. We are here to help provide for that. 
This world, in large part, with the most access to healthcare, the greatest science that we've ever had, with all of the incredible inventions that we have, a generation that should be more socially connected than it has ever been is disconnected. The end of this article says, we are in a different era now with social media increased and also social isolation is high. We think helping overcome the isolation can improve the connectedness. Oh, really? Like, like the isolation, like social media, uh, doesn't actually help you connect? It doesn't. It gives the perceived idea of connection with an added dose of the God of approval. What are we talking about? We got two kingdoms in this world. Satan comes in and says, don't believe God. Believe self. Believe your own appetites. Believe what you want about you. Believe what you desire to do. And so what takes place? That we have a world that is increasingly, increasingly, increasingly falling apart. It's increasingly falling apart. People are committing suicide at a high, high rate. People are ending their lives, and we've never been more free, and we've never been more connected, and we've never had more health care, and we've never had more uh, uh, housing options, the availability to build housing quickly. It doesn't mean that people don't need housing. It doesn't need that, mean that people don't have access to health care at some different points. But the nuts and bolts are there to make it happen, and yet it doesn't happen. And yet people still end their lives. Why? Because of the lie. The lie that says that you are God. Live your truth. Do what you want to do. Live however you desire to live. Everyone else should respect that. But the problem is that not everyone does respect it. It's, it's absolute insanity when you look at what's taking place in this world. Just uh, this week, uh, a CrossFit gym, I believe it was in Indianapolis, um, was, uh, was scheduled to do some type of LGBT event uh, for Pride Month or something along those lines. The owner of the gym said, we're, we're not going to do it. So then the coaches and different people quit. They uh, left the gym. The gym ended up having to close. So Russell Berger, who's a believer uh, and who is, uh, he work, he's the chief knowledge officer for CrossFit, he writes on Twitter and he says, as someone who personally believes celebrating pride is a sin, I'd like to personally encourage uh, uh, CrossFit Infiltrate for standing by their convictions and refusing to host an indie pride workout. The intolerance of the LGBTQ ideology toward any alternative views is mind-blowing. So what happens? Uproar. Uproar. I'm not sure why he posted that, I'll be honest with you, if he was trying to hang on to his job. He apparently had some great faith that the world was not as the, the way that the world is. However, they were on his personal Twitter feed, and he did express them, in a kind way at least. However, he called that lifestyle sinful. Sin. The, the, the actual participating, participating with it. So the CrossFit founder and CEO, Greg Glassman, writes and says this, Burger needs to take a big dose of shut the blank up and hide out for a while. It's sad. 
We do so much good work with such pure hearts to have some zealot in his off time do something this stupid. We're all upset. The whole company is upset. This changes his standing with us. What that looks like, I don't know. It's so unfortunate. Someone else who owns a CrossFit gym said this. Hey, at Burger Russell, why did you delete your bigotry tweet towards the LGBTQ community? I'm ashamed to own an affiliate right now because of you. You disgusting piece of trash. Who, who's the bigot? There's, that's bigotry towards, towards Russell Burger's viewpoint. This is the world that you and I participate with. This is the world that we want approval from. This is the world that we're going along with. Blindly. This, this is the world that we continually get wrapped up in and do not pay any attention to the kingdom of God. Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, there's enemies of the cross. There's people inside the church. There's people outside of the church who are enemies of the cross. They're participating with this world. They are all about it. They're contributing to the mental health crisis that we have. They're contributing to this world that we're a part of. This is what I want you to stand firm in, that you're a citizen of a different kingdom, and yet you live in the kingdom of darkness right now. You're a citizen of another place. And I'll say this, that I believe this, this man, Russell Berger, is keenly aware of this. He's willing to put his job on the line for speaking truth in a kind way. Even though our world says, you're a bigot, you're a piece of trash, you're all of those things. And the hypocrisy of that is amazing to me. But this is a guy who sees the reality of, I am not from here. This is not my all in all. I am not here for approval. We routinely run into this. And it's not just about uh, sexual issues, even though that is front and center. I tried finding a movie last night on iTunes. And everything that's got a high rating has something about some, uh, some perverted sexual ideal in it. It's what our society wants. And the stuff that doesn't have sex in it, yeah, it's not, not, not my jam, not my thing. That's, that's not me saying that, but that's, that's, that's what our world is that. You can't find it. It's in, it's, it's in front of you all of the time. It's always in our face. But we live as citizens of another kingdom. And that kingdom is, is the com coming kingdom, which is already here, but it's not quite yet here. And so what are we doing as God's people right here and right now? Well, we're regularly getting wrapped up in this kingdom rather than the future kingdom. Instead of standing firm in who he is, we are standing firm in this kingdom. But he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our, our frame of mind is there. It's, it's got to be about God and what he's doing. He goes on to say, and from it, we await 
a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And from that kingdom, we are awaiting, from the kingdom of God, we are awaiting, we are anticipating, we're looking for, we're excited about, we're longing for, we're, we're, we're saying, yes, come Lord Jesus, we are awaiting. Look at the, the four different things he says here. A Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Those are all titles. They're all titles that describe us. This is what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. These are the marks of a Christian, if you will. It is somebody who does not belong to this kingdom and regularly is reminded of that. I'm reminding myself. I'm being reminded because I'm in Christian community. Because I don't live by my own uh, hopes and dreams and desires. I don't live, uh, live for today. I don't do any of that. I live for the coming kingdom. That's what I do. And so what, what, what am I doing? Am I awaiting a Savior? What, what is a Savior? It means one who saves from danger. It means I'm awaiting this final salvation. Salvation is always uh, past, present, and future. So there's a past sense, all of my sins in the past taken care of. There's a present sense where Jesus has died for these sins right here and right now. He will not die again for those sins. And there is a future sense in which we will ultimately be saved. And so what he's, what he's saying is he's saying, I'm awaiting this, this final salvation. I'm awaiting this Savior. I want to see him face to face. I want to see the one who saves me from danger. Well, what our culture, the reason why there's two kingdoms is that our culture does not believe that there are two kingdoms. They say there, there's those Christian wackos, and then there's reality. There's science. There's all of these things. Science is, is real to the degree that it's not going to change again in the future when we have another discovery and another discovery and another discovery. Remember, science did say at one point that the world was flat. Let's just remember that. We're awaiting this Savior. We're awaiting and longing for and looking to the one who saves us from danger. Our world says there is no such thing as danger. There is no right and wrong. You have to live your truth. The Christian is somebody who says, I am longing for the Savior. I'm longing for him, the one who saves me from danger. Which means that if you're somebody who's walking with Jesus, the thing that you acknowledge is this, is that I am totally susceptible to this sin. Like I, It's ingrained in me. Theologically speaking, we would say we are totally depraved. Every action, every desire, everything about me is motivated by sin. I could still do good things that do not deserve salvation. But everything in me is sinful on that sense. And so as a result, what I need is I need someone who's going to save me from that danger. So are you somebody who is awaiting the Savior? Are you awaiting this? Do you want God? Do you want Jesus Christ in the flesh? That's a question. The Lord. 
He is the ruler and sovereign. So it's the Savior, the Lord. Is Jesus not just a Bible story for you? The, the cuddly picture of Jesus with the, the lamb, with a, a flowing hairdo, uh, a nice dress on, and a lamb. Is this, is this your picture of Jesus? Or is it the Lord, the ruler, the reigning king? Is he the one who is sovereign over your life? Have you submitted your life to the Lord? You could call him Lord. You could say, the Lord, I'm all about the Lord. But is he Lord in your life? Are you awaiting this Savior who not just is, has saved you, but is over you? He rules over you. The idea of being ruled over, so unpopular right now. You want to lose some friends? Talk about that. That's, that's great. Jesus is ruling and reigning. He is the king of kings. He is over us. He rules over all of us who call on him. Is he your Lord, or do you talk about him in a flippant way? Listen, Christians, you must understand this, that to live as a citizen of another kingdom, to live as a citizen of his kingdom that is in heaven, you must see him not just as Savior, but as Lord as well. Thirdly, it is Jesus, meaning God saves it's not just that he is the Savior who saves us from danger. It's not just that he is uh, the Lord who rules and reigns over us, but he is Jesus. He is salvation from God. He is salvation from this deity, the only God who has come to save us. It is Jesus. He is the ruling, the reigning king, and he is saving us. He is that person in the scriptures that we see who goes to the cross willingly, knowingly, goes to the cross and sacrifices himself. It connects us to him personally. And the fourth thing, that he is Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Christ. He is the anointed one of God. He is not just a person in a story. He is not just a savior who saves us. He's not just Lord, but he is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the one that's been talked about throughout all generations. He is the one that has been pointed to over and over and over again, all the way throughout the Old Testament. Jesus doesn't just appear on the scene in the beginning of the book of Matthew, the, the beginning of the New Testament. Jesus is on the scene all the way throughout as it is foretold about this Messiah, about this Christ. It is predicted through the kingdom of God. As Jesus comes in and he begins his ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus ushers this in as the anointed one of God. So, our citizenship is in heaven, and we are awaiting not just a Savior, not just the Lord, but Jesus Christ. We are waiting for him. We're longing for him. We want him. Who wants Jesus? Who wants Jesus? See, I was listening to Matt Baldwin's sermon this last week. 
And one of the things that stuck out to me, it was like this mic drop moment. It was two weeks ago he's, he preached. He said, you know, we want the peace of God, but do we, but do we want the God of peace? It's like, whoa! That's a way to start your preaching career right there. We want the peace of God, but do we want the God of peace? We, we, we want the feelings of being with God, but do we really want God? For those of us that are saying yes, yes to Jesus, for those of us that have, that have committed our lives to him, then what must be true about us is that we see ourselves as part of another kingdom. We're growing into that. Your discipleship, as you continually grow as a disciple of Jesus, continually growing. What, what that is, is you're continually being able to see Jesus and to be able to see, no, that's what that means to be a part of that kingdom instead of this kingdom. It's continually growing, not just in a desire for the things of God, but for God. It's a desire to have a deep and personal relationship with him that extends beyond desiring the things that he has for me. <clears throat> now, how many of us could say that? Like, I just want Jesus. I want him in my life. I'm awaiting him. I'm desiring him. I long for him. And why would we long for him? The ultimate hope, the ultimate hope is found here in Jesus. Look at verse 21. This is Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Look at the, the promise that's there. We are awaiting this Lord because it is he who will transform our bodies. It is his glorious body that becomes the pattern for ours. And it is his sovereign power that lends certainty to our hope, according to Moises Silva, a commentator on this. It's this Jesus. It is him who comes in, and he's going to ultimately enact the transformation. And the transformation of what? Our lowly bodies. Our lowly bodies. Now, what, what is this about these lowly bodies? Well, it's what our world is talking about. We're degenerating. We have a mental health crisis. We have sickness. We have disease. We have uh, murder. We have lying, cheating. We have gluttony. We have all kinds of things throughout our lives that are continually causing us to degenerate. And so when we look at the world, and we look at what's happening, and we look, at, we look at all the things that are taking place, we look at the things that make us sad, and the things that make us mourn over what's happening in this world, 
we can say, I want to be a part of that kingdom. In fact, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not just looking forward to the kingdom, but I'm awaiting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all that that means because of this, because I believe in his power. I believe in his transformational power. That's not just available in the future. It's available now. When you destroy the gods, when you destroy the idols of your life, when you say, you know what? Uh, man's approval of me will no longer be the standard ethic, the banner over my life. And you release yourself from the slavery that our culture is training you and I to have. There's freedom in that. Because I no longer bow down and serve the God of approval. I no longer bow down and serve the God of my sexuality. I no longer bow down and serve the God of fill in the blank. I'm no longer serving false gods because of Jesus' transforming power right here and right now. The resurrected king is resurrecting me, the song said right before the sermon. That we are being resurrected, but our final hope, our future hope, is really rooted in the fact that this will finally take place. These wants and desires, in spite of the fact that God has saved me from these, some of these sins in my life, I'm not perfect by any means, but the fact that God has saved me from some of these does not mean that my body does not long for the fulfillment of those things still. That, I'm, that I still have to negate those things and push them down with, a, with approval, comfort, security, control, sex, money, power, whatever it is, those gods. I can still long for and look for and await this Savior who is coming and he is going to transform me finally from this lowly body that is decrepit and falling apart. And he's going to transform me into a glorious body. See, the promise of our culture is that if you do these things, if you follow your desires, if your God is your belly, if your God is your appetite, then what will happen for you is that you will be transformed from a lowly body, a piece of trash, a whatever, a bigot, a whatever you want to call it. You'll be transformed from that and you will have a glorious body. Your body of work, your physical body, your sex life, all of that. You'll be glorious if you do that. Guess what? You're not glorious. Our culture proves it. It's a lie. It's Satan coming in and saying, if you do this, God, see, God's lying to you. He's keeping something from you. And, and if you do this, if you participate with your appetites, if you participate with this world, if you go along with what we're saying, if you bow down to our gods, if you serve them, then you get to have approval. You get to live. You get to have life. This is real living. But it's all a lie. It's a complete lie. The lie that you will have a glorious body, the lie that you will live, the lie that you have something outside of God is showing in these people that commit suicide. Now, they're the, they're the ones that suffer from some sort of um, mental health crisis, mental illness, depression. Those are real things. Those are real, those are real naturally occurring things in this fallen world full of lowly bodies. Are those people inherently sinful because they're depressed? Because they have anxiety? Absolutely not. 
Are they fallen just like I am? Absolutely. That's not popular. He's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. My faith isn't just in the coming kingdom. It's not just in the, in the Savior. It's not just in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just in the, the transformational uh, aspect of it. It's not just that I'm going to have a glorious body. It is that I not only believe all that, but I believe that God is so powerful. He is so wise. He is so good. He is so amazing that he is able to do all of that and more and whatever he wants because he is able to subject all things to himself. All things. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Some will do that willingly. Others will not. And will end up in eternal destruction. Away from the presence of God. All things are subjected to the power of God through Jesus Christ. Have you been duped into thinking that this kingdom is the true kingdom? Have you believed the lie that if you just go along with us, that is where you will find life? Stand firm. Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm in who Christ is. Stand firm in the fact that he has this power that will transform your lowly body. Stand firm in Christ. Because he did not go to the cross in vain for you. What does that look like? How do we stand firm? At any given moment in our lives, we have multiple things that have been going on that are just not in line with who Jesus is. We can just look at our life. I am with you. I am with you. If, if you're at a place where you're like, you know what, I just feel like things are in a good spot, and I'm like, you know, I'm just not really struggling with those things, then your issue is pride. And <laughs> so we just pointed out your, your sin here, uh, probably. But um, how do we do that? How do we stand firm thus in the Lord? You know, we don't do church as just like some kind of bland exercise. We don't, when, when we ask that you would give to the place that you attend, we're not doing that because, because we're, we're in this for money. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for a jet. I'm not looking for something uh, along those lines. We're not looking to line our pockets for something. We're doing this because this is, this is God's one plan for the nations to see the manifold wisdom of God. Not just outward church, but the church. And we're doing it the best way that we know how. So how do you stand firm in the Lord? Well, there's a, a litany of things here that we could go through, uh, among which are being discipled by someone. Are you a disciple? Is someone discipling you? Are you learning from someone? Are you humble enough to receive? Hey, you're wrong. 
You're a jerk to your wife. You're not being kind to your husband. You're, uh, you're going after the wrong guy. I know you've been single for a while, but that's not the right guy. He's not a believer. He's not walking with Jesus. doesn't have a job. He never showers. This should be obvious, right? You think that no one's seeing you, but you're into porn. You're, or, or let's, like, I keep seeing you at church, and I keep seeing you kind of mouthing the words, and I keep seeing you kind of engaged a little bit, but I just have never sensed that your heart is walking with Jesus. Like, it just, it feels like you've always kind of been on this track, and it's not really coming from you. It's coming from what you believe that people want you to do. Where's the reality in your life? Are you being discipled? Not just to point out sin, but to lead you to Jesus. Yes, but it's so difficult to be kind to my wife when these things are taking place. But Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus went to the cross for you. He suffered and died. And we don't belong to this kingdom. Your relationship with your wife isn't everything. And it's not even eternal, except for the fact that you're both believers in Jesus. It's not even eternal. We will not be given a marriage in heaven. So you have a short time right here and right now to be an exemplary witness of what the coming kingdom is, is about. Are you being discipled in the things of Jesus? Is someone telling you the things that you do not want to hear? And then, are you humble enough to receive it? Because I've been in a lot of meetings with a lot of people where I've said, I am seeing this issue and I just, I want to encourage you that this is where I feel like this is. This is where the, the sin issue is. And there's just, there's, nope, can't talk to me about that. Can't talk to me about that. Are you being discipled? Standing firm in the Lord is walking as a disciple in the context of the local church. It means sitting underneath the teaching. It means setting aside other distractions that would keep you from being with God's people on a regular basis. Setting aside distractions and standing firm means that I make time for God in my daily life. I'm thinking about him. I'm praying to him. It, it doesn't mean that conflict won't arise, it says in the next couple of verses. It doesn't mean that you won't have anxiety. It just, it just means this. It means that you're being trained to say, hey, you guys are both believers. You're in the church. You should get along. One of you needs to apologize to the other because you called the other one a fat pig, Right? Or, or you, need, you gossiped about that person. You need to get along. What's discipleship? Discipleship is leading us in the way of Jesus. How can I follow Jesus better? What does it look like? And then ultimately what it looks like is this. It is awaiting the Savior. It's awaiting him. And it's saying, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of you. It's when you read the Psalms, and the Psalms say, like, I love your law. I want to hear your word. I want to have relationship with you. I want to talk with you. I want to be near you. And then you read that, and you just go, that sounds like that was someone else that read that, because that's not true about me at all. Like, I like, want more about Jesus. I was just reading a chapter, because I thought I was supposed to read a chapter. 
for my devotions every morning. But when you see, like, no, the Psalms are supposed to put words in my mouth that ultimately lead to my heart, that lead to my life, so that my life can be poured out to God when I say, I long for you, I want you, I need you in my life. Oh, how I desire that. Like, I'm, I was thinking this week, God, am I dead in my faith? Am I, am I still after you? Like, where am I at? Am I longing for you? We go through those times. But then that's a really good opportunity to say, Lord, what needs to take place in my life? What confession needs to be had? What scriptures do I need to read? How do I need to connect with you? Lord, how can, could my affections be stirred for you? Are your affections for Jesus being stirred? To stand firm in who he is? Is church something that you're just doing occasionally? Is, is church something that you come and you watch the show and then you're out of here and you've forgotten the sermon as soon as you leave? There are some of my sermons I hope you forget very quickly, all right? Let's be honest about that. Uh, there are others that I'm praying that God has spoken to you through, primarily through his word. How are you reminding yourself? You know, you hear something good, and I, I, I hope that you listened to Matt Baldwin's sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, and, I, and I hope that you in, in, in took something from it. I heard that there were people that were very excited about it. I'm so excited about it. I don't, I don't know if you can tell. I'm so excited. Uh, he's going to give me more of a break from preaching, and he's also pretty good, too, so uh, that's, uh, those are positive things, but it was good but what did you apply to your life? Are you a disciple of Jesus? It was good, but are you still just longing for the peace of God without the God of peace? I could go on and on. God has called us to be disciples. God has called us to walk as people that are looking for and longing for his coming kingdom. Is that us? Because that will make all the difference when you lose your job because you stood for what was true and real. This world is not real. The real reality is coming. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, my prayer is that there is encouragement in this that would drive us towards awaiting you when so much of our life is wrapped up in, in waiting on so many other things. Lord, would you, would you speak? Would you move? Would you... Would you convict in this time right here and right now, Lord, would you awaken us to the reality of, of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. Lord, would you do that this morning as we come to your table and thank you for what you've done on the cross. 
It's in your name that we pray.